All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, October 30th. Uh, oh, F it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, I am live in La La Land. I am from the center of show business, Hollywood, California, on report, on vacation, doing the B.O. Boys. But you are in New York, so we are currently bi-coastal, covering the movie business from both ends. Very exciting. So an exciting weekend. Five yep. Nights at Freddy's. We're going to get into the historic opening weekend of this film. We're going to talk the Killers of the Flower Moon drop. So there's a lot to talk about. But before we get into the box office, Clayton, I want to get an update from you. Where are you at with your candidacy to be the host of Kirk Minahan's exciting 2024 show at a theater near me? Where are you at? Well, I reached out to Jack the mm-hmm. great producer at the Kirk Minahan show mm-hmm. via email and officially threw my hat in the ring for candidacy for the host of at a theater near me. Wow. Kirk has already had another candidate on and he yes. will have candidates on and yeah. I will be on eventually. Yes. I do think I will be one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. Save, save the something for the last. Yeah. Yeah, you said it, and people yeah. can fill in that blank. Yep. I'm not going to go into my impassioned speech, the one that mm-hmm. I'm going to use, the one that uh, will rouse the nation, and I think bring America together in a way it hasn't been brought together in a long time. Mm-hmm. I will keep that for Kirk's show when I'm okay. on it. Great. Because you don't want to waste your Oscar speech at the Gotham Awards. No offense to the Gotham Awards, but you understand what I'm talking about. It yes, has yes. to be up, up, up. Yeah, yeah. What I'm going to do here at the top is very quickly brass tacks, some specific things that will make me a great candidate, like the proximity to theaters in New York Mm. City, Mm -hmm. right? I live in New York City. I have access to hundreds of theaters. Mm -hmm. Not only that, I have a theater, a multiplex, less than a mile away from my home. Wow. So at the very least... If I need to see a movie every day for 366 days, which has never happened, has never, never been done before, I can go to that theater, a mm-hmm. theater that plays all the blockbusters, all the re-releases, Hindi films, Spanish wow. language films. Mm-hmm. They all go through this building and it all starts at noon. So at the least, I could go to that theater every day for 366 days and I can complete this task. But you know what, Pat? That's not what I'm going to do. Because that's not what this is about. It's not just about making it easy for me. It's about Mm -hmm. America and American stories and the people who go to the theater, Mm -hmm. the people who serve your popcorn, the people who sweep up your trash, Mm -hmm. the ticket takers, the people who who come in the middle of the day, the older people who are theater goers. I will talk to them. This will be an experience. It's going to be an American story. All right. Wow. And 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 that's what I'm going to do with this. Now, I'm going to complete the task, but I'm going to do it with some zhuzh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to just go to this theater. I'm going to go to other theaters. There's so many amazing theaters in this city that I've never been to that I'm going to go to. Right. To make right. this an entertaining show, because number one, I don't have to talk about how entertaining it's going to be, because that is a given. Yes, of course. You're a B.O. boy. Yeah. We did this show through the pandemic. Mm hmm. If you don't think I can 
make content every day for 366 days. I mean, we were talking about Jurassic Park re-releases in 2020. Yes, yes. And getting hours and hours and hours out of it. Yeah, we, we, we were getting numbers from, from drive-ins in June of 2020 and just making a meal out of that. So you going to see a movie every day, it's going to be just a bounty of, of yeah. content. And, 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 and it's funny because, you know, I'm the front runner. I've been called the front runner. I understand that. I'm not letting it go to my head. But I'm also the underdog, mm. right? Mm. Because this is years, decades of experience leading to an opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's the American story. That is the American dream. And I'm living it. If I get named the host of this show, mm-hmm. that should give inspiration to all Americans, everybody who has strived and worked and waited for their opportunity. And so, listen, I don't want to give my rousing speech. I'm getting no, close to so giving my is, rousing this speech. This has just been the Gotham Award speech. I could only imagine what your oscar speech that you would give on the well you got to give them a taste of your oscar speech yeah yeah too, yeah. you know like yeah, just yeah. the essence of where it's gonna go so great so clayton let's get into current times could you give us a plow for the box office weekend of friday october 27th number one five nights at freddy's made 78 million dollars in its first weekend Number two, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, made $14.7 million, down 56%. It lost 82 theaters. It's at $149.3 million. Number three, Killers of the Flower Moon made $9 million, down 61%. It added four theaters. It's at $40.6 million in its second weekend. Number four, I called it After Death, Angel Studios, $5 million in its first frame. And number five, The Exorcist Believer made $3.1 million, down 46%. It lost 606 theaters. It's at $59.3 million in its fourth weekend. Pat, that is the top five. Is this Killer of the Flower Moon drop a disaster? (sighs) Okay, so let's just say Killer of the Flower Moon dropped 61%. Yep. Ended up at what, 10 million? Made nine. Made nine. Made nine. Yeah, I mean, a... Okay, so it's the worst case scenario of how this movie is playing. Mm-hmm. You know, soft opening. You know, this is a movie that could have done 30. I think 30, low 30s would have been the high watermark for this movie. Um, it made 23. Yeah. And last week when we talked about it, we talked about, okay, this movie has to have legs. It has to, the reviews have to mean something where adults are coming out week after week. And the 61% drop, I think, makes it clear that's not what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, the adults weren't just waiting. They just didn't prioritize this as a piece of entertainment that they wanted to pay for. You know, it's mm-hmm. not Oppenheimer. It's not Oppenheimer. No, and I mean, we knew it wasn't yeah. Oppenheimer because Oppenheimer is Nolan. Yeah. And uh, it is also had a huge bomb in it in the sense of it had spectacular visuals in a way that this movie doesn't. Right. And that's fine. I mean, you can go and see a movie that doesn't have spectacular visuals, obviously. Right. In the sense of, you know, explosions. This movie has spectacular visuals in the way it looks in a cinematic sense, but it's not 
the sort of buzzy, you will see a, a atomic bomb being right. dropped, you know? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I would be surprised now if this thing levels off. You know, when we had Kirk Minahan on a few weeks ago and, or last week when we talked about the opening weekend results, he his prediction was in two, three weeks, this movie's making three or four million dollars, you know, for its weekend. And now that does look to be the case where you mm-hmm. could see, you know, in weekend four of Killers of the Flower Moon, it's making like four million dollars. And then that's yeah. probably a run where this movie's in the 50s, you know, maybe hit 60 domestic overall, which, again, is a quote unquote financial disaster compared to the 200 million dollar budget, a adult drama about a subject this dark ending up at 60 million on the surface should be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that this costs so much, but listen, we talked about this last week that, and, and we're not out here shilling for Marty, you no. know, he doesn't need us to, to show for him. And that's not what we do here. There's obviously other reasons why an Apple makes a movie like this. They're just trying to get in the game and so they'll take a loss on a movie like this. So there's other considerations here, but it did cost 200 million and it's probably going to end up at like 50 or 60 million. So yeah. that is what it is. It mm-hmm. is what it is. Obviously, if this movie is a serious Oscar contender, Oscar winner, those are other factors that Apple has to consider. But what do you think happened here in terms of why killers didn't? hold is it just the subject matter is it i mean that three and a half hour length has been talked about to death online but i gotta say out here in la this weekend i was hanging out with a friend who's in the biz a movie lover that we know and he does want to see killers of flower moon but he did talk about how the length of the movie the three and a half hours just makes it a bit of a scheduling conundrum and do you think that that three and a half hour scheduling conundrum has affected how quickly people have been able to go out and see this movie? Yeah, because I think here's the the argument gets confused here when it comes to this length, because mm. people make it seem like that it's impossible for someone to sit in one place for that amount of time in the yeah. sense of the physicality of it yeah. in that their bladder know, will burst. Yeah. Their bladder will burst. There's some theaters that were doing intermissions, which right. became a whole hullabaloo right. because they assumed people couldn't sit in one position. But I mean, the facts are people sit on their couch for hours on end, strolling through, you know, social media, watching, the Kardashians playing video games, people can be in one position for three plus hours. Right. The real issue with the, the, the runtime is what our friend, cause I'm assuming it's a mutual friend said, yes. which is logistics. People are busy. People uh, and the people who are seeing this movie are busy. They have jobs. They have wives. They have mm. partners. They have kids they are guardians right right and so where do you find that time right i mean the 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 friend our mutual friend that i went to see taylor swift with said you know and 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 and, and, and she has a, a a child right where do i find the time for this right right and, and, and that's I think a movie that, that was two hours and 45 minutes it wasn't three and a half hours 
Yeah, yeah. But uh, but she was talking about, I'm sorry if I wasn't being clear, oh, she was talking gotcha. about flowers. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You know, where do I find the time for that? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I do think that is that is a, a, a issue with this film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, all of the the online talk about the physical toll that this movie will take. I mean, I find that ridiculous. You know, the human body is made to stretch, you know, uh, give birth, um, be, you know, be set on fire, all all sorts of things that the human body could withstand. It could withstand sitting in a cushioned seat for three and a half hours. People sit on planes for longer than that every day. Right, right, right. So that, that argument I think is ridiculous. The, the scheduling thing, I mean, I think that is just something that has clearly come up as people think their days are busier than they are, or some people's days are busy. People have children, as you said, and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, appointments. But that's clearly part of what is keeping people from going to this. So is there a two-hour and 59-minute version of this movie that at this point is made $15 million more than, than the, the movie actually is made. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and I think that th- there is filmmakers out there who should make sure their movies are under three hours so that they collect every possible dollar of the box office. They can Scorsese's 80 years old and he's, he's the greatest director alive. So he, he does not have to worry about that and he shouldn't no, have no. to worry about that. So, now, but I think we, that it is a thing that most filmmakers and studios should keep in mind is, hey, let's get it to around three hours for these epics, you know, let, let's, or obviously you want movies to be as short and tight as possible, but most, you know, m- most directors shouldn't do a three and a half hour movie. Of course, uh, even if this one is losing money, it is what it is. And, and you know, let's not get, get crazy about it. And and I do think it's, you know, we've said previously, people want to be in that business. They want to be in the Scorsese business, no matter what. Right. If we were sitting here talking about the, the creator and Gareth Edwards was like, I need almost four hours for my AI right. Right. fights humanity epic. Right. Then, then a studio says, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Yes, of course. But do Apple. That. Yeah. Is not going to say to Marty Scorsese, right? Go fuck yourself, right? Right. And they shouldn't have. And they shouldn't and have. No but I don't should. think they did. And I don't think they did. No, well, they no, obviously no. didn't because it's three and a half hours, so they didn't say that. Yeah. Um. And, and listen, for for Apple or for any of these these studios that are looking to make the next movie with Scorsese, there's always the thought of, and you could see Scorsese thinks this in the way that he is making these movies they all feel like these could be his last movie you know every Mm -hmm. movie he makes now feels like a final statement yeah and for these studios the thought is okay we've got to spend 200 million dollars and it's going to be four hours but we may end up producing martin scorsese's last movie and there is just a long-term value in being the studio that has that you know and again looking at this strictly as a business that piece of of content having mm-hmm. that you know that product in your library this was the last Scorsese movie so I think when he's going yeah. around pitching uh for his next movie 
that's probably something he throws in the in the PowerPoint presentation to the studio heads. It's, could be my last movie. Could be my last movie. So it let's could let be, it be five hours. And God forbid, listen, I don't want to make light of this. No, no, no. Uh, you know, I don't want to make a mockery of this. No. Please don't make a mockery of this. No. Hashtag uh, no mockery. I think that there is, like you said, there's a level of, are we hitting the lottery with, this is the movie that he makes before he passes on and right. we promote it as he has passed and this is his last statement. Right, right. That is something that studios uh, would be interested in in, in, a, in, a, in a commercial sense. And I know that sounds crass and I'm not trying to be crass, but we talk no. about box office here where the box office boys. Yes, okay? yes. That is something to be taken into account when everybody says, oh, who he loses everybody money. He doesn't. Why would anybody want to be in that business? There's many, 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 many reasons other than this. But right. like you said, there's a chance that this is the movie right. that he's no longer here to promote. And right. it's out right. there. Right. And people will flock to it as tribute. Right. So so that's that's a consideration for these movies. I, I want to throw out something I saw. You know, while we're still on the Killers of Flower Moon, whole Scorsese thing, did you see this TikTok from? Of course, Ant I didn't. It's a TikTok. So there was a TikTok by, I forget if it's Joe Russo or Anthony Russo. It doesn't matter. They're the, they're the same thing. Yeah, the Russo brothers, and they have been, I guess, feeling criticized by Scorsese because he has said he does not like. The, the little kid child dress up superhero movies. Oh, so, okay. shockingly, Martin Scorsese, director of Raging Bull, his thing is not uh, the MCU. You know, he's not super into quantum mania. It's not, that's it's not his not, thing. He doesn't like them eating shawarma. He doesn't like superheroes eating shawarma. He's not into that. Apparently not. Though, 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 you would think maybe that's like the the closest to something he would be able to look at for ten seconds of these MCU movies. It's well, they would be having a pasta time. dinner. They would be yeah. having a pasta dinner. So he's had this feud with Marvel, and this weekend one of the Russos put out a TikTok where. So I guess Martin Scorsese, and again, sorry for having to go so deep into TikTok lore, but Martin Scorsese put out a TikTok where he's showing his little doggy that's named Oscar. And so okay. that went viral a few weeks ago. He's holding up this cute little dog. He's named his dog Oscar. And then the Russo brother has that start his TikTok. And then you cut to the Russo brother and he picks up a little doggy and he goes, oh, and here's my doggy box office. And the TikTok ends and the TikTok wow. ends. So this Russo brother on the, Weekend of a disappointing opening for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon puts up a TikTok mocking that low opening weekend. Says that, oh, Marty's got Oscar. I've got box office. Well, listen, I got to respect the fact that he understands how important box office is. This is a guy that uh, understands but, the power of box office. But, I uh, Listen. Okay. But. But people aren't going to see Marvel movies because of the Russo brothers. Exactly. That box office is built on the backs of all the other movies that were churned out of that factory, right? You are part of a sausage factory. You are one of the people twisting the links. Right. You are not Martin Scorsese, right. who 
picks the cow and you know and uh it cuts the cuts the cuts of meat and All makes that. the spices and and creates the casing you are not that you are a workman in a factory you are pulling a lever and you are shooting sausages out okay that's right. what you are as a as a filmmaker right so to take that box office and own that box office because you were somebody who uh, was able to logistically get all the actors together for movies, which that's that, not even him. That's that's the, not that's even like him. A, that's like an administrative assistant in the in the uh, uh, Disney scheduling department. That's, that's the that. person. The person who was able to schedule all of those actors to be together, or not even together, because you know a lot of it was green screen to logistically, you know, to to make the contracts. Actually, the people that deserve the box office for that are the people who wrote the contracts to yeah. force all of these actors to be in these monstrosities yes. and game and such. Those are the people that deserve the box office, not the Russo brothers. Because yes. when you look, there is no visual flair. There is no point of view. They're sitcom directors, which is fine, but they're not Martin Scorsese. So to own that box office, to say that we own this box office, you don't own that box office. That box office isn't you. No. In no. in 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 ten years, probably less than that, no one's gonna know who directed those movies. Right. Because they're gonna get slid out of the top five by Avatar movies. And we know who directed Avatar, James Cameron. Right. And and just listen, he he started this discussion about comparison of box office and and owning, you know. Naming his dog box office as a statement that he is the biggest box office director. I'm looking at the Russo brothers' filmography as directors. So sure, they directed Avengers Endgame. That made $858 million domestic. Following that up, they directed a movie called Cherry 2021. $0 in box office. Mm -hmm. It was a dump on Apple. Apple put... Kills of Flower Moon in theaters because they thought people would go see it. They yep. knew to dump Cherry as a streamo only release. That made nothing. The Gray Man. Well, box office on that. Hey, it made four hundred and fifty thousand dollars worldwide. This completely forgotten Netflix movie. So he is a director who is naming his dog box office, and he no longer creates films. That have any box office yeah. at all? He should have named his dog Streamo. He should that have named his dog Streamo. Is Scorsese holds up a little cute doggy called Oscar, and then the Russo holds up this probably loner dog. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure this was a dog that an assistant brought him and then quickly carted away the second the TikTok was over. But he holds up this loner dog that is named Streamo. You that know, should if have been we, the Russo brothers TikTok, and I know we have TikTok, and and uh, we don't run it. Of course, the great senior intern, one of Bo intern, Christopher does it. But we borrow a dog, we have mm -hmm. it run up to us and be like, "Oh, are you lost? What? Wait, who's your owner? Oh, it's Joe or whatever name the other Russo. Oh, what's the name of your dog? Streamo. That TikTok takes off. Streamo." Yep, Pat, yep, that's a gigantic TikTok in the waiting. We have we have to get on that. But, but we talking have to find about, a dog, and I don't like dogs. 
I know. So I'll have to do it. But here's the yeah. thing, Pat. We must get to actual yes. box office. Yes. Actual box office success that the Russo brothers will never reach again. Yep. They will never have an opening this big. Yeah. $78 million for a day and date film. Yes. Five Nights at Freddy's. It happened. It happened. So uh, first, let's give a uh, 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 give a shout out to last week's guest, the host of I Screen, You Scream for the number four number movies. Number four. Danny, OG wannabe old boy Danny was on the show. He predicted, I think, in the 80s, but he pretty much nailed this opening weekend of 78 million. He's been on this for months and months. Yeah. And so congrats, Danny. Great prediction and also a great victory for gamers and young people out there like Danny because, my God, this was a gamer movie. This was a young people movie. This was a cultural shift opening weekend for Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. You know, that that's what this was. This was the gamers and the young people really cementing this year as the year that they took over the box office. I mean, 81% between 13 and 24. Wow. Wow. That is a mind-blowing number. That is an incredibly young audience. Mm-hmm. That That is amazing. And that is such a great sign for the future of this theatrical business. Because this year, you know, there were enough of these type of movies that showed young people want to go to theater. And this was a litmus test because even though most people don't have Peacock and the people who have Peacock don't know they have Peacock, this movie was available relatively easily and cheaply to just yeah. watch at home. And this was a young people movie. And the young people stood up and said, we want to go to movie theaters. They had the chance to just watch this at home, watch this on their phones. You know, you would think that this is a, 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 a simple choice for young people, that they would just watch the thing on their phone. And they said, no, we want to sit in a dark room together and watch this on the biggest screen available to us. And we'll pay a, a premium to do that. And we questioned whether the repeat viewings uh-huh. would be the issue here. And in the deadline article, they mentioned that people, kids that were talked to, a lot of them said, no, they want to see it in the theater again because they want to be around people. They want to be around other people their age. Wow. Wow. They want to get, a, you know, you've brought this up. They want to get away from their parents. They yes. need somewhere to go. They don't want to just be sitting in the other room and dad comes in and he's he catches a Freddy phase bear on the screen. And he's like, what is this crap? Yeah, yeah. What is this crap? Put on the Michigan game. Put on the Michigan game. They don't, the kids don't want to deal with it. They'll pay $17 to not have to deal with dad walking in and saying, put on the Michigan game, change Freddy Faze Bear. Now, and again, it's the father's $17. So, you know. So, sure. Uh, and, but, and the father would rather give him that 17 bucks so he doesn't have to have Freddy Faze Bear on his TV screen. Absolutely. Even though he know he has Paycock, he could right. be like, just watch it in your room or watch it on your right. laptop or whatever. No, he, he wants them out. 
he wants him out. That's the other thing. That is what we forget. We forget yeah. about as and I've never forgotten it, but a lot of people who write about box office and people who write about movies and streaming, you know, they forget this, that people, kids especially, want to be away from their parents. And guess what? A lot of the people who write about box office, not everybody, some right. of them are family people. They have families. Right. Some of them don't. And they don't realize that you want your kids the hell out of the house. Yes. If they yeah. don't have kids, you don't realize how often you want them the hell away from you. Right. 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 And now 18 to 34, though, as the big age group, that is uh, that's young adults. They are 13 to 24, 13 to 24. This was. 13 to 24. That was the, the 80%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is kids. This is incredible. So this is kids and this is like teenage dates. So there's a lot of probably first dates, you know, that happened uh, at this five nights at Freddy's. So this is also going to be, you look at this movie in 10 years, this is going to be an important movie for this generation because they're going to look back and there's, there's, Teenagers who probably who probably went on a first date with their future husbands or wives to see Five Nights at Freddy's, mm-hmm. you know, in small towns across America where you meet your future spouse when you're, you know, 16. That probably happened this weekend at Five Nights at Freddy's. So this is going to be the type of movie where where people are maybe hiring uh, uh, people to come in costume or or getting the 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 animatronic puppets to be like be at their wedding because yeah. they'll look back and say you know Todd took me to see Five Nights at Freddy's on our first date junior year of high school. Yeah, I mean it's so funny, and we you know again we talk about this every episode about the changing tide of the box office, how different everything is, how IPs that once were slam doinks are now in the dirt right basically and you're looking at this taylor swift live experience or this this event yeah yep. i won't call it a movie movie because it's not a movie it's an event i restore the movie and five nights at freddy's mm-hmm. i mean that thing made 92 this made 78 if you're looking forward, you're looking at marvels you're looking at aquaman 2 those oh, were the boy. movies that were expected to boy the box office right and they are both going to not if not bomb underperform greatly yes what we're continuing to see is that the younger generation wants new things yes the old toys are for the old boys yeah and girls and people People. and yes there's still going to be millennials aging millennials who go see marvels and aquaman right but the kids they're going to be hanging at Freddy's. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And here's something that I saw really take off this weekend in terms of this movie. Clayton, we're YouTubers, of course. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows this and, and is excited and we're growing, growing as YouTube stars. But uh, an OG YouTube star is Matt Pat. Now, are you aware of Matt Pat? No. So Matt Pat is a gaming YouTuber. Uh, he is the creator of the game theorists and, and, and all the spinoff channels. And apparently he's someone who's been deep in the five nights at Freddy world for years and years through YouTubing about this game. Matt Pat has a cameo 
in Five Nights at Freddy's. He plays a waiter, and he says, as a waiter, drops his signature catchphrase from his YouTube channel. I have a theory about that. And I have seen videos online where people with their phones in theaters are filming that moment when Matt Pat walks on screen. And I'm getting chills as I say this, even though I've never seen a moment of Matt Pat's content, mm-hmm. but I have seen these videos. And Matt Pat walks on screen and says, I have a theory about that. And there are videos of movie theaters going bananas, cheering at the sight of Matt Pat when he says his catchphrase. That is the type of thing that resonates with young people now. Mm-hmm. It is not Indiana Jones pulling out his whip. It is not Optimus Prime saying, you know, let's go Transformers. I forget what the catchphrase mm-hmm. is there. It's it's, no, listen, that was it's, it. it's not Tom Cruise, and this kills us to say it, it is not Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt doing a cliff jump off a motorcycle. Yeah. You know? And it's certainly not. Michael Keaton saying, I am Batman in the flash. It's not that Uh, it is Matt Pat saying, I have a theory about that. That is the IP that resonates with the young modern audience. Matt Pat is their Iron Man. Yeah. Matt Pat is their Optimus Prime. Freddie Fazbear, obviously, Mm -hmm. obviously is their Indiana Jones. Well, I mean, he's their Freddie. He's that matter. If you are a youngster. Yeah, I mean, I think what's going to be really difficult for the older generation is when people say, are you ready for Freddy? They're not talking about Freddy Krueger. They're not talking about Elm Street. They're not talking about a dead child killer with a Mm -hmm. claw hand. They're talking about an animatronic bear. Yeah. And that's going to break some old generation's brain. Yes. Yeah. I I pulled up the history of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise at the box office and the biggest opening weekend ever for a nightmare on elm street movie is actually the two most recent ones the remake in 2010 opens to 32 million the freddy Freddy versus Versus jason Jason. movie opens to 36 so you know listen we don't do inflation on this show it's it's that's too much but 68 million is the combined opening weekend of the two highest ever grossing nightmare on elm street movies Freddie Faye's Bear just opened to, in one movie, 78 million. You know, yeah. Freddie Faye's Bear, in one weekend, did double what Freddy Krueger was ever able to do in an opening weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this movie, this uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, when it's all said and done, it's probably going to have a run that's equal to like almost the entire. Nightmare on Elm Street franchise combined or, you know, yeah. again, we're not doing inflation, obviously. So yeah, Freddy phase bear is Freddy. He is Freddy. And it's, you know, on the, the owners of the nightmare on Elm Street IP that they haven't been able to get their act together to make a nightmare on Elm Street movie since 2010. But honestly, I don't think Freddy Krueger would matter to no. the modern audience. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. You know, uh, and I do want to say something about this this record for day and date release here, how they're uh-huh. saying Black Widow still has it at 80.3. That was a Disney Plus. I can't even remember. What was the what would they use when he was like um, you had well, to you pay could, an extra 25 bucks? 
you right. I forget the the name of that service, but you had to have Disney Plus, and then you could basically, as a PVOD add-on, buy Black Widow or rent it for another thirty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that does not count because you were being charged an extra twenty five dollars. Right. This movie is wrapped in with your premium Peacock subscription, which right. if you jumped on any of the deals that they were having, you probably are paying $1.99 a month for this, right. or you're paying $5.99. You're not paying $25 for this. Right. So to say that it's equivocal is you had the opportunity to basically watch this movie for free at home yes. or to go to the theater. Yeah. And yes, different times, less COVID, what, what, whatever. Yeah. Still. This is more spectacular than that Black Widow opening yeah. by yeah. far because yeah, you is... had a basically free option at home and these kids decided to be around other people and have a experience. Yes. Yes. Yeah, this is the this is the biggest day and date opening weekend of all time. Yeah. It just is. It just yeah. is. The Black Widow thing throw that out the window. This is the biggest day and date opening weekend ever. Now, could it have made more if there was no day and date option? I think, yeah. of course, it would have made some amount more. It would have made some, here. Here's a, an example, and I think this is probably a very likely example. Is I watched this film late at night the the night it came out, mm-hmm. and the movie. I will say is terrible in quotes because it is terrible to me. I didn't yes. enjoy this film, but also I agree. I, I watched it as the well. game. I have no relationship to Freddie Faze Bear. I have no relationship to Matt Pat other than seeing the videos of Matt Pat's cameo in theaters gave me chills, but I did not care for this movie. Mm-hmm. And yesterday out here in LA met up with a friend. We wanted to go see a movie. I had already watched five nights of Freddy's knew it was bad told him it was bad. And so we saw a different film instead of going to the theater to see Five Nights at Freddy's. Now that's a situation where Five Nights at Freddy's had not been available for me to watch late at night on Peacock. We yep. very well may have gone to an AMC and seen Five Nights at Freddy's ourselves. But we are an older audience. And I think that's probably the people who watch it at home instead of going to a theater is the older audience. I do not think that any youngsters in any real way were were uh, watching this at home instead of spending their money at the box office. I think there is yeah. some amount, maybe it's $3 million, $4 million worth of old people tickets that didn't get purchased because we watched it on Peacock and then told our friends, hey, this isn't for us. This yep. movie is not for us. But now, I think it's minimal. I think it's minimal. Yeah. I think maybe this gets to 80-something million opening weekend if it was no day and date i don't think it mattered at all real quick quick hits for this biggest opening weekend for a horror pick year to date wow uh besting scream six which opened to 44.4 second biggest opening ever for a video game pitcher behind super mario brothers which made 146.3 this is ahead of sonic the hedgehog 2 which made 72 wow Biggest Blumhouse opening ever, 
ahead of 2018's Halloween, which made 76.2. This beat Michael Myers. Freddy is bigger than Michael Myers. And Ghostface, like you said, it beat yep. it beat Scream this year for the biggest horror opening of the year. And uh, it is the 19th time a Blumhouse movie has bowed at number one. Wow. So that is gigantic. And you know what? Biggest opening weekend for a horror film directed by a woman ahead of Candyman, which made $22 million. This was a female-directed picture. Great. And let's talk a little bit about these demos because this is super important as mm -hmm. well for the changing tide, as we've said. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm just trying to find these demos. I mean, I'm Pat. sure it's going to skew heavily male, though. Honestly, I bet you the split on this is not too bad because everyone loves this game. Everyone loves Matt Pat. You know, when I saw those videos of Matt Pat's cameo, you heard male voices, female voices. Everyone was clapping, cheer, and shrieking. You know, so I'm going to bet that this probably played fairly, you know, equally among gender lines. Um, do you have these demos, Demo God? Yes. So, uh, okay. So this is sort of a hybrid sort of uh, thing here that I'm talking about because okay. we're talking about when people bought these tickets and who bought these tickets. So, okay. Post track showed 51 of the audience, 51 percent of the audience snapped up tickets the last week. Okay. All right. However, 49 percent bought their tickets the day of. Huge walk-up business, wow. meaning that the Hispanic turnout was 40%, followed wow. by Caucasian 37%, Black 11%, and Asian 7%. So this was huge walk-up business, which makes sense because that – it's funny. we They were – so many times movies have over overperformed. They have discounted the Latino and Hispanic community and their walk-ups. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now that is being added into it. We always have to think about the walk-ups. Pre-sales mean a lot, but they right. don't mean everything. Right, right, right. And this is a movie that that makes sense because the buzz on this has been growing and growing and growing the closer we got to the release date. And give it up to Blumhouse Universal the marketing on this movie has been spectacular. You know, I have seen just images, signage, posters of this movie everywhere. They've done a great yeah. job of just taking that key art of the sort of silhouetted animatronic puppets and just getting that in your face everywhere. And I do think the buzz for this movie crescendoed at the right time. You know, the last week heading into the opening weekend, this movie felt like a must see and that's going to translate to people walking up because they want to be part of it they want to be part of it happening but pat what we are also learning is mm -hmm. that if you're going to try to make something an internet phenomenon it has to be organic it yes. has to be gentle minions it yep. has to be barbenheimer it has to be five nights at freddy's it cannot be morbius it cannot be snakes on a plane it cannot nope. be those things it has to come organically from an interested group and they will do their advertising for you. Yeah. You cannot force someone to do advertising for you. You cannot force, you cannot have, you know, marks. You cannot have people trying to go on Reddit and say, oh, whoa, whoa this is cool. This is cool. Cause 
the young people will sniff you out as a phony and a fraud. This was a grass, totally, totally. grassroots situation. I mean, remember, we're, you know, we're looking at Universal and Blumhouse. You know, they have genius. They've been geniuses at marketing a lot of stuff. But this one, mm-hmm. they they didn't think it was going to do it. They thought it was niche. They thought it was something that was not going to blow up the way that it did. And that is not a knock against them because they have a product that people wanted. But going forward, they're going to learn the lesson from this. Yeah. And listen, I'll push back a little bit on that because I do. Obviously, that's, you know, when they schedule this day and date, their hopes for this movie were not sky high. You don't day and date on Streamo, a movie that you think is going to be a phenomenon. But I would say in the last few months, when they were reading the tea leaves and, and hearing the organic buzz online, this the, the studio really did put everything into promoting this movie. I think as we got closer to October, Universal felt that Exorcist Believer was going to underwhelm and they knew they had something in Freddy's. And again, they they did it in a way that I think was additive in that they made this movie feel like a big deal. You know, oh, they, they, in the month, yeah. you know, coming into October, it was clear then that the studio knew, okay, Freddy's is our horse. And I do think that helped adding with the organic fandom for it, adding with Matt Pat and and those you know, sort of like cool Easter eggs for the fans. I do think that this movie did just feel like a big deal in these last three weeks. But Pat, I'm not talking about now. I'm not talking there are a bunch of dum-dums who didn't realize until the last minute. I'm saying when it was initially oh, announced, totally. yeah, so that is ago. when they weren't sure what was going to happen. That's yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. I'm not yeah, saying totally. that they didn't take this and run with it because they did. They did an excellent job. But initially... They did not think they had anything huge. They thought sure. they had a niche, and that's sure. fine. Yeah, and it and it it just goes to show that you know in these next couple of years, the studios now have to start just accepting that the old IP is dead, and don't make another Indiana Jones. Don't make another. Don't do Transformers meets GI Joe. You know mm-hmm. that was teased this past June. Never they went happens. Out and they tease G.I. Joe and Transformers are going to hang out. Do not do that. Find another game property that Freddy's could anoint and team up with someday. That's where your team ups are. G.I. Joe and Transformers should never, ever appear on screen. I would say separately or together ever again. Agreed. Agreed. Because it is just wasting resources that should go to Freddy's. Not Freddy Krueger, Freddy Fazbear. Yeah. And, I agree. And, and that's it. This is the transition year. It is about young people movies. It is about young people stars like Taylor Swift. It is about gamers and, and mm-hmm. gaming IP. That this, this has to be a wake-up call to the studios that it is time to put away the past and stuff like Barbie is an interesting case because obviously that is an old property, but it's the first time they ever did it. And that movie is just such a new thing for young people. It's people, young people want new things right now at the box office and old people do not go to the movies in a meaningful enough way to make these, these old properties matter anymore. But it's also a generational talent thing. It is a Nolan 
uh, it's a Nolan Oppenheimer and it's a Greta Gerwig Barbie. If that is, if that's, if, if, you know, uh, if that is anybody else, that movie makes a lot of money, but does not make the money that it did. People went to see Barbie because they were like, this is Greta's take and I trust Greta. Right, right. Totally. But yeah, this is this is the big transition year and Five Nights at Freddy's is going to be one of the most important movies of this era. Yes, it just is. Absolutely. It just is. As, as disappointing film. as this fall is in many ways of the box office, the Eras Tour and Five Nights at Freddy's are going to be the types of movies that get their own chapters in a book of box office that we write someday for yeah. sure. For yeah. sure. These are that important. This opening weekend of Five Nights at Freddy's is a historic opening weekend. Mm-hmm. And good for the gamers, good for the young people. This is huge. Huge. So uh, does this do anything for Josh Hutcherson? He is the human star of this film. Um, I guess no. it only helps. I mean, it never could hurt to be in a movie that opens $78 million. Like, I think this gets him more work, obviously doesn't make him a movie star. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's It, it looks great that, you know, this is this can keep him in low-budget horror, maybe action films, who knows, for the next couple right. of years. This isn't going to make him the next hot star on the cover of People magazine or whatever. Well, Magazines are dead, so... Exactly. It's not going to put him on People magazine, but this movie isn't about him. That's the thing. It's not a breakout role for him. He's a cog in a machine that 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 uh, he has to be. There has to be humans in this movie. So why not him? So what about Matthew Lillard? He's in it for two seconds. But but I do think they use him well in terms of what Matthew Lillard is known for. You know, I think as much as anything, that is your nod to the past is the way they use Matthew Lillard in this. And listen, it lets Matthew Lillard now be someone who's like, I've got multiple historic horror franchises that I am now a part of. So I think this is great for Matthew Lillard because it's just so in the zone of what he was already going to be famous for. I mean, does this make... Here. You know, yeah. Paramount, Goose, the filmmakers of the next Scream franchise. I mean, the next f- Scream installment. Hey, you got to put Stu in there because the uh, kids are going to want Stu because he was in Five Nights at Freddy's. Th- that I think is the, is is huge. I do think that it had already been a big part of the Scream fandom is fan casting Stu's return in a future sequel. And I think now you, you almost kind of have to do that because she Lillard's as hot as he's been. Mm-hmm. I guess since he was in the Descendants, he had that moment where people were like, maybe he is going to be a, a you know a, a real actor, and he's a real actor, obviously. But but yeah, he's someone who who was going to have like a bigger comeback. Uh, but either way, I think this is a, a a sort of cultural moment for Matthew Lillard that if you're the screen producers. You got to take advantage of it now because mm-hmm. that's a franchise that is old IP. But the reason it's worked these last two movies is because of Jenna Ortega and the fact that they did make a big pivot to something young people would want. And Matthew Lillard's connection to Freddie Fazbear, I think that's 
that's a thing that the Scream franchise should capitalize on. So yeah. definitely. Um, and, you know, anything else looking at these numbers? We're going to be covering Five Nights at Freddy's a lot these next few weeks. Well, so, uh, we got to talk about After Death. Angel Studios made five okay. million dollars. Yeah, we'll 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 figure out what that actual money is. I mean, they're calling it at five. So from the pre-sales, it looked higher. But I did have this in the top five. It did make it to the top five. It wasn't the number yep. two, yep. but it was in top five. So this is a movie that is going to be around. It's not going to be at the level of Sound of Freedom, obviously, because no. that's a that had such a sticky premise for people. Right. It it had a, a narrative drive. This is a documentary, right? So right. there is a big difference here. So yeah. we'll keep our eyes on this and and what the numbers inflate to. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, I think. Five Nights at Freddy's, incredible story. We'll be covering that a lot over these next few weeks. And uh, I think I think we've done it, Clayton. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think this has been a great historic episode. And so, of course, follow us on YouTube. If you're not already, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got videos, full episodes. We've got after BO episodes. Just a lot going on the YouTube channel. Follow us on social media at the B.O. Boys pod, wannabe O senior intern Christopher, killing it with the excerpt clips, the vertical videos, all that kind of fun stuff. He's mixing it up out there on social media, on TikTok. Maybe we're going to do the dog video with, uh, you know, to, to get in that whole business of dog videos with the Russo brothers and Scorsese. So perhaps yeah. that's coming your way at the B.O. Boys pod on TikTok and Twitter X. And of course, email us, the Boys Podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your boots on the ground reporting, your predictions, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Clayton, do you want to quickly look at uh we did get some emails? We got a great email from wannabe Tupelo boy Luke, um, who says, Pat Clayton, I love the pod, discovered you guys through podcast Jesus Praise His Name. Guys are my first listen every Monday and Thursday morning. Um, let's see. Uh, he asks us basically, have we been continue? Uh, have we canceled our streamo subscriptions or have a per, uh, a preferred streamo? I mean, we're not the streamo boys, but Clayton, just quickly, you're you're down to very bare minimum of streaming service subscriptions. Am I am I correct? I have eliminated everything. Except okay. for Peacock because mm -hmm. it's so cheap and mm -hmm. for the WWE. Right. And I watch a ton of Tubi. Wow. I could tell you right now in the last couple weeks, I've watched over a dozen movies that have been on Tubi. And the reason why Tubi is the best streamer is because it's not competing with theatrical. Mm. It has movies that are independent cinema from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s great horror movies it has new stuff too but i mostly watch the uh the stuff that is hard to find on any other streamer right, and they right. have they have teen sex comedies from the 80s i watched hard bodies it's a great film you should watch it i watched like uh you know some exploitation films from the 80s that uh you know class of 1984 type movies yep yeah they're all there on tubi and they're free. Wow. 
Wow. So to be the B.O. Boy Clayton recommendation of the week. So uh, thank you to Wanna B.O. Tupelo Boy Luke. Uh, he also says, Clayton, I think that at a theater near me is a perfect fit for you. And if you were to take the helm, it would be a big news. I sincerely hope you consider the project. Of course, Clayton is got his hat in the ring for at a theater near me. But great to hear that the fans are excited about that already. And um, what I would say to him is trust the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, listen to the Kirk Minahan show. Follow along. This is going to be a wild ride. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, Clayton. So, of course, again, everyone email us to boboyspodcast at gmail.com. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You just got to write, love the show, blah, 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 five stars. And it helps new listeners find the show. Clayton, I think we've done it. I don't think there's anything left to say. No. uh, You know, I can't think of anything. Nothing. Except for until next time. Will smell you at the box of the